podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It slightly favours the right footer here, but Griffiths, having got the goal, goes again. So hello and welcome to a very special episode of the Hamden Roar podcast. It's Christmas and the spirit of giving is in the air. With that in mind, we've decided to host a year-end awards show. Now before you adjust your Bluetooth headphones, I am Gordon Shear from the Tartan Scarf. And the reason I've wrestled hosting duties is because we were actually supposed to be sitting in the shadow of my Christmas tree here in Tartan Scarf HQ. Unfortunately, as with everything in life these days, COVID has intervened to scupper our plans to gather, so we've come together virtually. And luckily for me, I'm not alone. I'm joined by two cheeky little Christmas elves who will be <laughs> digging their little paws into my big sack of memories to dish out awards for the best players and moments for Steve Clark's team in 2021. Our first guest that I'm joined by, he's handsome, he's soon to be married, and he's eligible for this podcast through his parents. It's Ben Ramage. Ben, <laughs> how, how are you doing? That's a great intro. Thank you very much. I didn't realise there was going to be a sack involvement, but I, uh, I look forward to it nonetheless. Oh, absolutely. You can't have Christmas without a good big sack. And our <laughs> other guest tonight, he is the Hamden Roar head honcho. He's Troon's finest export. It's Andy Barge. Andy, how are you? Hello. Andrew Cotter and Jamie Ness might have something to say about that. No, no, mate. You are <laughs> socially climbing your way to the top of the tree. Don't worry about that. Now, before we do get going, look, I wanted to sort of take a moment to uh, have a, a bit of a self-indulgent moment because, you know, 2021 has been a very busy year for the Scotland team. They played 15 matches this year, but it's been a busy year for us as well. You know, by my count, I think the Hamden Roar has produced 37 episodes of the podcast this year. And the three of us, a little bit like Gilmore, McGregor, McGinn, have been the most common partnership. So I just wanted to say cheers, cheers to us and well done on a good, on a good year. I mean, there's been lots to talk about. It's been brilliant. It has. It has. And, you know, actually, the, the first thing we should talk about, and we'll give this a little, a little mention at the top, is that obviously tonight we are recording on Thursday the 16th of December. No, it's Wednesday the 16th. No, it's Thursday. Gosh, it's Thursday. Christmas. Bloody Christmas. <laughs> Thursday, Thursday the 16th of December. And we have just seen the Nations League draw. Scotland unbelievably have avoided drawing Israel again. We've been paired with Ukraine, the Republic of Ireland, and Armenia in League B. Ben... How do you feel about that draw? What are your sort of first reactions? Yeah, I think much like everyone, the uh, initial reaction was, thank God we don't have to take on Israel again. As much <laughs> as uh, it was beautiful to beat them the last time, I think we can uh, all safely say that we're, we're through with playing with them for a little while. So uh, although Ukraine looked like they might be the new Israel, that seems to be the uh, common theme that we're going to be playing them every, uh, <laughs> every opportunity now. But no, I, I think the group looks doable, I would say. Um, I quite like Ireland. Getting Ireland again, going to Dublin would be great. COVID allows going back to Dublin would be brilliant. And Armenia, you know, we've never played them, so that would be quite interesting. But yeah, I think, I think overall we've 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 missed the uh, toughest group, um, which again for us is is a real bonus because generally we would normally get the toughest draw we could. Yeah, absolutely. And Andy, what 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 do you think? What's your sort of first first take on this group? 
see it instinctively and also when I've thought about it, I'm coming to the same conclusion. I'm really happy with it. I, I really wanted us to draw Republic of Ireland. Uh, I still feel a wee bit burned by how the 2016 campaign ended. So hopefully we can try and right that wrong because um, we'll be, we were unbeaten against them and Poland, but Ireland, we were four points we took from them and didn't end up finishing above them in the table, which was a really sore one. Um, yeah, Ben, that's a fair point here that Ukraine, three times now in the, a short space of time, Tom Gallagher's in the hand and roar mentions just saying, I guess this is us entering the Ukraine era now, better get used to it for the next five campaigns. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, Ukraine, rather them than Sweden from pot number one, for sure. Uh, I think it was a toss-up between them and Bosnia. Uh, Iceland would have been the, the ideal one from pot one, but look, we can't have everything. We've we've done well to draw Republic of Ireland and Armenia. So full steam ahead as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, 100%, 100%. And, you know, as, as always with these draws, you know, it, it certainly could have been Potentially could have been better, like you said, Iceland would have been the, the dream draw from from pot one, but it could have been a hell of a lot worse if we'd been sitting in uh, the group that Norway went into, group four, for example, having Sweden, Serbia and Slovenia, I think we'd be feeling very hard done by right now. So mm-hmm. I guess, look, we'll, 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 we'll put that to one side for now, because obviously we've got the World Cup playoff in March to look forward to first, but that's, look, it's a nice thing to look forward to. We've got a quadruple header in June, so hopefully get some get some good trips out of that one. So... As I mentioned at the top, tonight we are going to be celebrating everything that's been great about Steve Clark's Scotland side in 2021 in the format of an award show. We've got seven categories to debate and we're going to go around each other to make our impassioned pleas for our winners. And after this podcast is out, we'll run a series of polls on Twitter so you, the listener, can have your say either to agree with our picks or tell us we do not know what we're talking about. Now, the first category we're going to discuss is Best Newcomer which is the player who received their debut in 2021. Now, it surprised me, given that, you know, a fairly common criticism or grumbling about Steve Clark is that he never seems to change his team. But it surprised me that nine players made their debuts in uh, for Scotland this year. And the nine players were, can run through them, Shea Adams, Kevin Nismith, Billy Gilmore, David Turnbull, Nathan Patterson, Lewis Ferguson, Jacob Brown, Anthony Ralston and Paul McGinn. Now, Andy, I'll come to you first. Do you want to make your impassioned plea, say if you want to highly commend anyone, and then come to who you believe this award belongs to? Uh, okay, I think that we can rule a few out straight away, um, yep. just simply on the amount of football that we've played. So let's not kid ourselves here. Paul McGinn, Tony Ralston, Brown, Lewis Ferguson, probably David Turnbull and Nisbet. Um, are probably not in the running for this, I would say. Uh, Nisbet has done okay at times when he's come on, but I think he's been overshadowed massively by the one who probably will get my vote here, which is Shea Adams. Um, I think that we were crying out for someone like him uh, when he came along. And like he scored a few important goals now, really rounded off his uh, campaign with the the goals against Moldova and Denmark and those wins at the end of the campaign. I think that during the Euros, it, it's still a regret that we didn't see him from the start against the Czechs together with Dykes. Um, I, I think that is a, a what-if sort of decision. Um, and the other fellas that I think are probably applicable for the awards, uh, not just literally, but because of the impact they've had, the Gilmore and Patterson, I think we probably discussed them for another category, more likely. Um, Patterson's had a really good uh, impact as well on the Scotland team uh, since he came in. We'll come to talk about Gilmore, I'm sure. Um, 
but because we're trying to keep the or I'm trying to keep the winners separate as well and not avoid any double ups, I, I think I'm leaning towards Shea Adams for this one. I think he's become pretty much indispensable to the Scotland side, to be honest. Okay. Ben, what do you think? Do you do you concur with Andy? Well, I wasn't really aware of the doubling up uh, rule. <laughs> well, that's, that's, no, that's, 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 not, that's not a rule. That's just a personal preference. Excellent. Right, that's fine. So I'm going to go for Billy Gilmore then. Uh, and I'll probably go for him in every single award. But, um, I would, uh, yeah, I think Billy has sort of reinvigorated the team. I think he's he's just everything that's good about the sort of the youngsters that we have in our team. And he is also just such a magnificent footballer at his age. I couldn't believe that he's got 10 caps in the space of this year, um, which for his age, I wonder if any other Scotland player has ever done that. I very much doubt it. Um, and also to have got as many man of the matches as he has um, in such, such a short space of time, just to make that incredible impact and how he played at the Euros. Um, you know, it's just, just magnificent. I just, I'm running out of superlatives for him. He's, for me, he is the best newcomer. And Che Adams, I would have, um, as the honourable mention, um, who has, he's done brilliantly. Um, I think it's four goals uh, in 13 appearances, um, which for a Scotland striker coming into the, the team is very, very good. We haven't had that for a long time. And he does work really well with Dykes. So for me, Adams would be number two. I think we spoke about Adams a wee bit after the Denmark game. I think that it was important that he scored those two goals at moments that really mattered because the only two that he'd scored so far were, they'll, they'll get lost really in, in the history of, of Scotland. I mean, it was a third or fourth against the Faroes and then a pre-tournament friendly against Luxembourg. But those two really mattered. Like, And if he hadn't announced himself as a Scotland striker before, then sealing the game against Moldova and Denmark really, really did. Yeah, 100%. Well... I guess then that means then that I get the I get the casting vote in this category, um, and yet look, I, I completely agree with you, Ben, that you know Billy Gilmore is a wonderful, wonderful talent. We will talk about him quite a lot tonight. Um, he frightens me with how good he is. To be honest with you, he does things on the ball that I just I just I've never seen a Scotland footballer do. He's so confident, so calm. He makes this team tick. I mean, if you look at there was the the pass map that was posted after the Scotland Denmark game, and it basically just looked like an octopus with Billy Gilmore at the middle with tentacles reaching out to every player because he just connects with everybody. So, and again, look, I've I've made the big call that I think that Billy Gilmore, fitness permitting, will be Scotland's record cap holder. I mean, it's Kenny Dalglish now with 103 caps. Um, Billy Gilmore has 10. He's 20 years old. I see no reason why he isn't playing in that position for the next 12, 13 years. But having said all that, I have been and always will be and will continue to be such, such a big fan of Shea Adams. I think he did fill a gap that we needed in this team. I think even before he was scoring goals, before he scored these two goals uh, in the last two games, I loved what he was bringing, his physicality, the way he'd run the channels, his link-up play, his connection with uh, Lyndon Dykes. He made us a better team. And now he's adding goals, not just any old goals, really great finish against Moldova, the sort of falling over volley. And then just that finish against Denmark, just phenomenal, giving Casper uh, Schmeichel the eyes and burying it in the bottom corner. So I think for me, I'm giving this award to Shea Adams. So congratulations, best newcomer 2021. So category number two that we'll go on to is the Unsung Hero Award. Now, 
Obviously, there have been so many stars in the Scotland team who have wowed us with their performances this season. Robertson, Dykes, McGinn, Adams. The list does kind of go on and on. But, you know, it's a team game. And this award is going to look at, hopefully look at the players who have maybe gone under the radar and maybe not quite gotten the recognition that we feel they deserve. Now, Ben, I'll come to you first on this one. Who is your unsung hero of 2021? Well, it's a, a man that's often debated uh, among the Titan Army. I'm going to go for Stephen O'Donnell, who is, for some people, he is a hero, and for others, he isn't. But for me, the the performances that he puts in for, for the level of player that he is, because we've always said, you know, that we know that he isn't the sort of world-class talent, as in Andy Robertson on the other wing, but th- he just puts in such consistent performances, and he always, always turns up for Scotland. And for me, that is just you need people like that in the squad you know he he puts in the effort and for his uh, even for his performance against england uh, at wembley um you know that was phenomenal for him to go and do that and to shut a lot of people up that were calling for him uh, to never play for scotland again i just think absolutely fair play to him so for me it is the lanarkshire kafu steve nadal yeah, I, I, th- I think he is he's absolutely on my honourable mentions. You're right. I think to come back from being so, so criticised for his performance against the Czech Republic and play that well in that game against England, unbelievable strength of character. Also, the performance that he put in in Austria, you know, when we were down to our bare bones, you know, I think he had only just come back from COVID or an injury or maybe both. He barely played in about three or four weeks. He put in a massive performance in such a big game for us that night that we won. So... He, he has certainly really impressed me this year. I think I think Grant Hanley deserves a, a mention, although I think I think people do now understand he is a good player for us. The fact that he'd been away for three years, slotted straight back in, unfussy, put in good performance after good performance. And not to mention, he scored a really good goal against Austria in his first game back. And where would we have been in that group if we hadn't drawn back to, to draw that game? You know, if we'd lost that game, where would we have been? Um but I'm going to throw in a different name. And for me, my unsung hero is Liam Cooper because he's been around Scotland squads for a while and a lot of people have been calling for him to be in and he'd been in and not quite got the minutes yet. He played obviously left-sided centre-back against Czech Republic, which isn't his best position. He couldn't replicate what Kieran Tierney does, but frankly, who could? But what really impressed me was those final two World Cup qualifiers against Moldova, against Denmark. Grant Hanley was missing. Liam Cooper stepped in centre-centre-back when the stakes were as high as they possibly could be in the group. And he was excellent. And I was so, so impressed with him there. So yeah, I, I'm giving it to Liam Cooper and I'll hand to you, Andy, for the for the deciding vote. Unless you want to throw a third name in and we'll have a three-way tie. I, I, the, my vote, I think, is for one of the guys you've mentioned, but I do have a few honourable ones to chuck in there. Um, Cal McGregor, for me. Um, I think that he is the... He's one of the, the most important players in the Scotland squad now. Since he's partnered up with Gilmore, the two of them have just meshed together. Like, they've grown up playing football together. It's It's been a joy to watch. And the two of them with McGinn just in front is is working out really well for us just now. I was a massive critic of McGregor. You guys know that. I felt that he didn't replicate the same form for Scotland that he showed for Celtic almost on a weekly basis. Um, he's really come to the fore since the Serbia game last year. I don't think he's looked back whatsoever. Cal McGregor, I think he's he's brilliant. And Gilmore does get the limelight. You know, he's the 
the wee poster boy of the team now and he's just there next to McGregor strutting his stuff. But um, I think that McGregor is deserving of an absolutely huge mention. Uh, a name that I thought about, uh, and I, I didn't realise actually how little he played, so it kind of negates the whole point of him. But I feel that Kenny McLean also deserves a wee bit of credit for turning up for Scotland and coming off the bench on quite a lot of occasions. He doesn't um, start all that often, but if he'd played at the Euros, maybe he would have had more of a claim to this sort of open injury, ruled him out of that. Uh, Liam Cooper, to the opposite of that, uh, McLean played less than I thought he did. Cooper played far more than I thought he did, Gordon. You know, he's... Yeah. In the last seven qualifiers, he played in six of them, albeit two of them were just for a couple of minutes at the end, but, you know, he was featuring a lot. Um, so, yeah, I totally see where you're coming from for that one. Uh, I think it does have to go to O'Donnell, though, for, for the unsung hero, because he's constantly swimming against the tide as a Scotland player, Stephen O'Donnell. Uh, he just keeps on going. And if you look at some of the games that he's started in, he always, he seems to be the, the name, or certainly was. I think maybe now people are starting to believe that he's more reliable. The, the Czech Republic game, yep, wasn't great. Um, but he followed that up, as you said, Gordon, with monstrous display at right back against England. He played 77 minutes against Austria, full 90 against Denmark. I know this doesn't come into the, the voting process, but against Serbia last year, he was he was amazing as well. So he seems to be a bit of a big game player for, for Scotland, Stephen O'Donnell. Um, mm-hmm. I trust him. I don't think he offers the attacking prowess that Nathan Patterson's got. Most people would agree on that. Um, but I think gone are the days where O'Donnell was selected at right back and people winced. I don't think that that should be or largely is the case anymore. Um, and I know that he gets credit after he, he turns in a good performance, but I think because of his his lack of star value, um, his humility uh, and his, his constant effort, uh, effort and drive means that he's the, the perfect candidate for this one at right back when he's he's not always the most valued member of the squad. Well, there you go. Congratulations, Stephen O'Donnell, wherever you are. You are the 2021 unsung hero. You're, you're unsung no longer. You've got a, an award <laughs> Now, the next one we're going to look at, we're going to celebrate some of the best goals that Scotland have scored this year. And there are actually there are 21 to choose from and some absolute belters to go through. I will, I guess I'll, I'll kick off discussion on this one first. Um, yeah, so many to bring in and I can't wait to hear what you guys bring to the table. For me, some honourable mentions, I would say I would say McGinn's against Austria uh, back in the first World Cup game, the overhead kick. Honourable mention. Good you, God. I know. That, that, honestly, that just shows you how good, how high the standard is <laughs> this year. Um, and again, you know, that one there, again, like I said, with the Grant Hanley header, you know, had we lost that game and lost ground to Austria on day one, that would, would have completely changed the complexion of the group. So the fact that he scores that goal last minute of the game, gets the draw, overhead kick, incredible, absolutely incredible. Um, I think as well that Cal McGregor against Croatia, obviously, again, we hadn't scored in the Euros, we'd put in some decent performances, we'd created so many chances, we hadn't got the goal. You know, you never know, maybe if we hadn't got scored a goal in the Euros, perhaps the the criticism over Steve Clark would have been louder and maybe Steve Clark might have actually struggled to, to survive the Euros after that. But McGregor scored and it was such a good moment and I think also for me personally I was in the fan zone in Glasgow Green and just utter utter carnage in there so that was a a personal moment highlight of the year for me Adams is there it's come back to McGregor yes 
Um, another one, look, Shea Adams against Denmark, just the most ruthless counter-attack I think I've ever seen Scotland score from and just such a cultured finish from Adams. I mean, I, I always love, you know, strikers from the school of, you know, Thierry Henry, Fernando Torres, who don't need to hit the ball that hard. They just open their insteps and curl it into the corner. That's what Adams did there, which I, I loved. But the winner that I'm going to go for is John McGinn against Israel at Hamden. I thought the the interchange, the team play, the build-up was so lovely to watch. You know, Robertson drives, gets it to Adams. Adams gives it back, sets up McGinn, who then stops the ball dead. There's no pace in the ball whatsoever. And he puts all the pace into it and just curls it into the far corner. And from where I was, my position in the uh, east stand, I was sort of like right behind McGinn. As soon as that leaves his foot, I can see it's going in. And it was just a, a beautiful, beautiful team goal. Perfect finish. So John McGinn of Israel is my goal of the year. Robertson. It's McGinn! Oh, and you know oh. what happens next? Oh, John dear. McGinn, the main man for goals for Scotland, raising the hopes of a nation. What a finish here. What a goal, John McGinn. Andy, tell me. Disagree with me. McGinn's win against Israel, yeah, that's... It's got to be in the conversation, not just because of the finish, but yeah, it was lovely build-up play as well. I'm trying hard not to conflate moment and goal mm, with yeah. judging this one because the quality of a goal can sometimes be exaggerated because of the moment that it was scored and, and vice versa. Yeah, so going purely on the aesthetics of a goal, um, I find it hard to ignore McGinn's win against Austria, but. I think that he diluted that slightly by kind of just making a joke about it and being like, oh, I just I just threw myself at it. Like, there, It's not like there was any tremendous technical thought that went into what he was doing. It was just pure instinct, which I suppose maybe in a way makes it even better. Um, I've got this written down, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to move away from it, I think, because of, I think it's getting too close to the moment rather than goal would be Callum McGregor's against Croatia. I was really paranoid, as you said, that we were going to go out the Euros without scoring. And at that point, when we scored, you know, we thought, okay, maybe this is on. Maybe we're we'll, we'll go on and do this. Didn't work out, but at the time, yeah, it was it was a it was a great a great goal. It was great touch and finish, but it was a greater moment than it was goal. So I'm going to move on from that one. Um, I think that the goal of the the season though is Adams against Denmark, the final one. Uh, I think that the the pressing in midfield at late stage of the game to win the ball back was was great. Uh, but also the composure that we then just... It was maybe three passes or so and it was into Armstrong's yeah, feet. Nine, nine touches, I think. Nine, nine yeah. touches from... I think it was McLe- McLean wins the ball and about nine seconds and nine touches later is in the back of the net. Yeah, and the, the composure in midfield shown by the guys. I think McLean was one of them, actually. Um, and then through to Armstrong, who kept his composure. Fed Adams, who'd bent his run perfectly. Left. And... <laughs> <laughs> you can't help yourself, and uh, and what, what I'll, is one of, I, I do love those kind of goals because as Adams is breaking through, there's a hush, there's a nervous mm. second or so of anticipation and just waiting. The composure in Shea Adams' mind kind of sums up what Steve Clark really had been asking for from his boys: the uh, fire in the belly, ice in the brain, sort of thing. I mean, there it is in black and white. Uh, the the finish was just ruthless, absolutely ruthless. And I don't think that, at the time, I, I didn't go to the game. I remember I was working in London that night, sadly, as so I watched it in 
Premier Inn in Watford and my phone in the hotel room, <laughs> the saddest scene. Um, and I never, I, I, I had the same moment of nervous wait, like uh, nervous anticipation as he broke through. I don't actually ever, I don't think I believed he was going to miss. I, I was pretty confident he'd mm. stick it away. But yeah. the the way that he finished it off, just wrapping his foot around it, uh, in my head I could get this wrong. I don't even know if Schmeichel went for it. We passed him, I think, he maybe just die. before he before he got down I for think it. He did like, die. He yeah. did die, but it, it, it was so fast and it was past him. And I think as well that yeah. there's something so aesthetically pleasing about the way the ball rolls right up mm-hmm. the net yeah, yeah, and yeah. bounces straight out again. Totally. It's just oh, it's so pleasing. And then obviously the celebration where he does the sort of almost Thierry on resell knee slide yeah. while John McGinn goes full penguin slide. <laughs> <laughs> and and again, I, I'm, I'm being careful not to conflate moments with the yeah. goal here. I'm aware that I've just said it was a great moment, blah, blah, blah. But the, the actual aesthetics of the goal were, were brilliant. The quick touch passing in midfield, Armstrong's perfect weight of pass, the way that Adam's bent his run. And I do like a, a one-on-one like that that is just finished by the striker in a way that says, goalkeeper, you have absolutely no chance here. And that's what, what Adams did. It was it was just perfect. And again now for Armstrong. And he put it through to Adams. Shea Adams is up to it. It's Adams! Hunter Park is home, sweet home. And could be home to a playoff in March. Scotland! Ben, do you have a third to bring in or are you going to agree with one of us? Uh, well, the, the more you've talked about that, the more I've uh, I've enjoyed it. <laughs> and my sort of memory of it is, is coming back. But I'll, I'll go with what I had initially. My honourable mention was for McGregor against Croatia. Um, and again, it is a little bit of moment and a little bit of the goal, but to actually... For us to score a major tournament was huge, you know, for the first one in since 98, as as much as it was great to be there, if we hadn't have got a goal, I think it would have been really tempered. I think there would have been a lot of like, I oh, great what you got there, but you didn't actually even, couldn't even score one goal with two, with two home games as well. So I think there was actually a lot of pressure. And I think that was a really important moment for the team to get that goal. And to be fair, at halftime at one all, I know we hadn't played well, but I thought we can't play much worse. So there's every chance that we could come out and actually improve. Um, so it just, it gave, it gave the whole nation a bit of hope that, okay, we actually do belong at this level. You know, we've, we're, we're still in with a chance with 45 minutes to go, which isn't as bad as it could have been, um, especially after the England game. So, yeah, I think that was my honourable mention. And for me, it's the McGinn against Austria. And the more you've talked about it, the more I realised that, in my head, I've got it as this beautiful overhead kick. But he, he actually more just kind of falls backwards. Yeah. It's a very sort of maiden paisley, like just yeah. just lie back and flick it. But I actually forgot how late it was in the game. It was the 88th minute, um, yeah. which for me adds something to it as well, because I know it's not a last minute winner, but it felt like it. It was, it, as you've alluded to, it's such an important, it was such an important game not to lose, you know, the team that you're likely going up against for second place. To, if we'd have lost at home, that would have been a horrendous start. So it, it was, when you watch it back, it's a, it is a beautiful goal. Mm-hmm. And yeah, for me, for everything that it meant to, to produce that moment, only certain players can do that at that point in a game. And for me, he kind of showed his class with that. 
So I'm going to go for McGinn v Austrian. Everybody's still waiting as Robertson tries again, but Alaba clears. Christie returning it. And John McGinn with a spectacular strike to level it for Scotland. They're refusing to budge. They're refusing to give up in this World Cup opener. It feels like a toss-up then between Shea Adams, Denmark and McGinn, Austria. Because we all kind of mentioned them. Mm-hmm. Pretty much, yeah. To be honest, I, I, I think, I think the more, the more you talked about it there, Andy, the more I'm, I'm leaning more towards Adams against Denmark because, yeah, it, it was a ruthless counter and so, it was aesthetically pleasing in every single possible way. So, yeah, I'm, it I'm was, it, it was a, prof- it was like a professional goal. It was like what better teams, <laughs> it's what, what yeah. better teams used to do to us. You know, <laughs> we'd be, we'd be trying to break forward. They break it up, a couple of passes, they're in. Can their striker hold his nerve? Of course he can. Yeah. Buries it. You know, that so for us to do it to to a team like Denmark, you know, I, I'm I'm happy for that to take this one because that it was a very, very special goal. Fair enough. Well, All right, congratulations, Shea. Shea Adams. Um it's racking up the awards. We, yeah. Yes. The next award of the year is for game of the year. We've had quite a few we've had obviously more more games this year than we've had in got any any year in in living memory you know we had 15 matches this year unbelievably but which was the best one which was the most enjoyable andy i will come to you first on this one what you've what, what have you picked out uh i've got three noted down uh england nil nil yep uh denmark two nil and israel three two so, if you Bingo. I got that you got there as well, Ben, right? Okay, well, exact same. You got the exact, exact same, same ones, right? Okay, well, let's <laughs> let's uh, uh, wade our way through these in together. So, let's let's uh, the England game was first. Um, that was from a personal point of view. That was a cool one for me because I was working at it. I was I was commentating on it. Um, so it's all a special game for me for for that reason. Um, but I think. Scotland England at a major tournament is is only that game really that can bring the butterflies that that you feel um, that has a different approach and different nerves. Um, it's we juicy. were we were yeah we were excellent that night. Um, we were we were close on a few occasions. The O'Donnell chance she Adams had an opportunity, but we defended just just amazingly and in such a contrast to the way that the Czech Republic. Um, outplayed us in the first half at Hamden only what would it have been four or five days previously to that yep. we needed them to stand up every single one of them did and it was just a a, a performance that made you so proud of of the players uh, we missed we missed the goal but look next best thing if we can't do that is stop them from scoring which which we did um, brilliantly so for me and you guys can, can take over now for this one but I think that that is has got to be at least in the conversation, which clearly we all agree on. Yeah, no, yeah, I, 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 I can, I can, I can, I completely agree on that one. I, th- I think, I think that game at Wembley could almost be seen as a sort of sliding doors moment for the rest of the year because you know we came into that game at such a low ebb. We were so disappointed having lost to the Czech Republic. Our expectations, you know, we'd gone from all the jokes about how we were going to win the Euros, and expectations had just completely cratered and. You've got to think, you know, if, if we'd gone to Wembley and say if we'd lost 2-3-0, do you think Steve Clark is still be in the job? I'm really not entirely sure he would be, you know? 
And you're right. The just what was so impressive was just the mentality of the team in that game. You know, it reminds me. Do you remember when um, it was Jurgen Klopp after one of Liverpool's famous Champions League nights? And he was asked about how he's impressed he was with his players, and he and his big German laughed and you know described them as ha, mentality monsters. <laughs> and that's that's what I thought about that Scotland team that night. Um, and again, also just just the, the the experience of watching the game. Like I watched it with my uh, my my brand new English father-in-law, who I'd, I bought a Scotland shirt for the game. And it was so nerve-wracking, that game. Every moment was so tense. Come the end of the game, as soon as that full-time whistle went, I literally, I walked to my front door, went out into my street, and just screamed as loud as I could because I just had to <laughs> let it all out somehow. It was a miserable experience, but it was, it was oh, yeah, great game. It was great just game. so, it was frantic. It was just, at, at points, I know that we were hemmed in at points, Ben, but it was, it, it wasn't without our attacks and, and forays forward as well. And that there were occasions when when it looked like we, we are going to nick this. By the way, we are going to get a goal here. I remember that the one where I thought it's coming, that it's it's coming for us was when Dykes had that shot. It was it might have been hitting the post, but it was cleared off the line on its route to to go like in a yard out. I think Kyle Walker or someone got in the way. But at that point I felt we are going to we are going to score first in this game. And I, I think it was just so tantalizing and it but frantic at the same time, just end-to-end at, st- at stages. Yeah, I think with that, it's like the jeopardy that plays into it so much. Is is It was very much a cup final, even though it was just a group game. And for most countries, they'd say it's just a group game. For us, that was like a cup final. If, if you get seriously done by your rivals, you never, it never goes away. So there was such potential that if we'd got, if we got hiding, that, that that could have been brought up for years to come. You know, if it had been a four or five nil, that would never have not been sung about at Wembley. Mm-hmm. So to actually go and put in a performance like that, stop them from playing that, you know, they were throwing like, you know, multi-million pound players on and O'Donnell was stopping them in his tracks. You know, it was just, the, the, it was just such a performance to be proud of. The only thing that was missing was a goal. And that for me is why I don't think it can win because I, th- I find it hard to, to give a game that you've drawn you know, the game of the year. I, I think you really should be winning your game of the year. Um, but, yeah. but in terms of everything else, that game was brilliant. You know, it was just such a battling performance. You couldn't have been prouder of them coming off. And it obviously gave us the chance that we could still progress um, yeah. with the Croatia game. So, no, absolutely fair play to them. That was just tremendous. So, Ben, do, do you then want to take us on then? Obviously, I know we've got, we've all, all three of us have got the, the same three games written down here. So do you want to take us on then to, we'll go chronologically, take us to the Israel game and talk, talk to us about that game. Yeah, for, for me, that was the, that was the first one that I wrote down because I thought that pretty much had everything that you want from a game, especially winning last minute. I think that was the difference, you know, to, to come back from being behind it was it was a re- it was a really good game. You know, we obviously didn't start well, but for me to score that winner last minute in such an important game, that is what elevates it to like the next level. And I was really gutted I wasn't actually at that game. I was down south, but I was watching it with my family down south who are all Scottish. Um, and it was just tremendous, you know, to to get that such an important goal at that last possible moment. You know, there's there's nothing like it in football. It's just tremendous, just the eruption of emotion when it happens um, in such big occasions. So, for me, that's probably the winner of the three. Yeah, no, you're, I think you're you're absolutely spot on. I think a game that had 
literally everything, you know, go behind twice, come back, missed penalty, VAR checks, last second winner. And then again, maybe this is verging into moment of the year, but you know, the, the post-match celebrations, you know, a good 15, 20 minutes of just the entire crowd going utterly tonto at Hamden was just it almost brought a tear to the eye, honestly. It just unbelievably good. Um and yeah, you're right, you know, just just to see a score, a last minute winner in such a big game was 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 brilliant. But Andy, what do you what, what do you think? Have you got anything you want to add on the, the Israel game? Yeah, I th- I think I think it was Ben there that used the phrase it had everything. Was it you, Gordon? <clears throat> Whatever one of you it was, that I think that's what sums it up really. From behind twice to win it in the last minutes of the game. That is what football as a fan of anyone is is all about. Um with the VAR as well, the missed penalty. It was just an absolute roller coaster uh, in the platform it gave us to go on then and do. Uh, we, we made hard work of it in the Pharaohs in the game after that, but um, we we eventually got it over the line, and it was uh, it was the start of a wonderful. Well, I suppose you could say the Moldova game at hand, and before that was the the actual start of it. But that last minute winner really seemed like the 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 petrol on the the squad really to get them to flame up and go for the, the final four games or the final three games as it was against the Pharaohs, Moldova and Denmark. So yeah, that game is one of the best Scotland games I've ever been to, not just of this year. And for that reason, I think it would ultimately get my vote. But the other game that we've got as well, um, Gordon, once you've finished with the Israel game, would be the, the Denmark crack game. On. Crack on. You know, by all means, crack on for the Denmark game. But it, I, I feel a bit fraudulent to include it because I wasn't there but um, it felt it from the outside looking in it just felt like a total celebration really from, from start to finish we'd already secured the playoffs so no matter what happened um, everyone was in buoyant mood and we knew we're going to be in the mix for the playoffs but to get the win against such an impressive side uh, and not just a jammy win we really deserved it the, the two goal lead uh, brilliant and to get ourselves in the same pot as Italy and Portugal and, and Wales and eventually Sweden, it was um, was vitally important. And it just felt like the game that started at celebratory mode was at a nine. <laughs> and then with that win, put up to a 10 uh, when Adam stuck the second in. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree with you there. I, I think it was probably just the most complete, competent, ruthless performance from a Scotland side I've maybe ever seen you know I mean Denmark had one or two openings in the game but that was about it I mean we really really controlled that game against what was a phenomenally strong uh, team um, I think I think I think for me my, my vote probably still does go to the Israel game just because the celebrations and the way that we responded to the team was so good and so the celebrations were so big also, because it was Israel and, you know, we'd, we'd created this mental block in our heads that we just couldn't beat Israel. So the fact that we had done it in the circumstances we did, I think the Denmark game probably on paper is a better result. It, well, it is a better result. You know, we, we, we beat the 10th best team in the world. But I think for everything that goes with it, I think it's the Israel game for me. But Ben, do you want to agree or disagree? Which way, which way are you leaning on this one? Yeah, no, I was I was going to say the fact that it was Israel, they'd almost become a rival. They'd almost become that team that like, oh, great, we've got them again. But also they'd beaten us a few times. So it was like, I think that 
just takes it above the Denmark game. I totally agree with the Denmark game. It was the most comfortable I have ever felt at Hamden. I have never, even against minnows, ever felt that comfortable watching Scotland play football. It was, it was almost unreal. And it was one of those rare games where every player played brilliantly. It was yeah. like everyone was a seven or an eight at least. And they couldn't handle it. And it, it was just brilliant to watch. I've never sat at Hamden and just enjoyed a game so much. Some of the passing, the hold-up play of Adams, he was, he was, he was taking the piss out of them. You know, <laughs> he was going by two or three of them, holding it up, getting yeah. whatever he wanted out of them. Again, was, was just the game was everyone. Yeah. And then we did the goals as well. You know, the, the second goal, everything about that game was just perfect. And the fact that it really mattered as well. It wasn't like, oh, it's a throwaway game. It doesn't really matter. For it to mean so much, I'm really torn between the two. But I do think I think the fact that Israel was the last minute winner and it was a team that we really didn't like for me that just about sneaks it. Fair enough, fair enough. Well, we're we're giving it to Scotland three, Israel two is our game of the year. Now the next award, you know, honestly, we may as well just call this the, the Billy Gilmore Award. It's the Young Player of the Year Award. Ben, tell us what your favourite thing about Billy Gilmore is. <laughs> I was going to say, if he doesn't win this one, I'm leaving. I'm out. <laughs> this, it has to be Billy. There's, I know we'll talk about Patterson, and Patterson, for me, has done really well when he's come in. He's really shown that he is a really good, young talent, attacking player. But but for, a, for I was going to say a child then, for, for a, youngster, <laughs> a youngster of that age to come in at the age he did and to just dominate and look as if he's not faced by anything. It really reminds me of Kieran Tierney when he came in. I think he started a right back in his first game um, when he was, when he was so young and he again had that same confidence, that same belief, give me the ball. doesn't matter. You know, he wasn't faced by who he was up against. For me, he, as you've said, he is the future of this team. What, what is the only thing I can see him out of this team is injury now. I mean, he is just that yeah. talented and he is a player that a Spain or an Italy would have that would just make the team tick. We haven't had that for a long time. I think Barry Ferguson may be the last midfielder that we could say was of that kind of quality that could dictate a game that, you know, his passing and everything was was very, very good. And for me, Gilmore, Gilmore could be above that, you know, I think yeah. the, the sky is the absolute limit for him. He and. If he doesn't win this, yeah, I, I will strike. I will run. Oh, look, I, I, I absolutely, you, you are totally spot on. I mean, you know, let, 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 let's not forget as well. You know, it's it's not just the technical ability of Billy Gilmore; it's the mental strength as well. You know, he made his competitive debut at Wembley in the Euros and just dominated that game single handedly. So, unbelievably impressive. You know, he's got ten caps so far in his Scotland career. He's twenty and a half years old. That's seven wins, two draws, one loss. We've never lost a game when we've played the midfield three of McGinn, McGregor and Gilmore. So that is a phenomenal partnership we've got going forward. Had he been available against Croatia in the Euros? Who knows? Obviously, COVID took him out of it. Who knows what might have happened? Um, But yeah, look, Nathan Patterson, absolute hat tip to him. Again, it's a position that we've sort of been hoping that we'd have another option. Stephen O'Donnell, we love him. We love what he brings. But Nathan Patterson, the way he attacks and his his strength on the ball is so good 
the game in, in Moldova was a really tantalising look at what Nathan Patterson can bring to this team going forward. You know, he got a goal, he got an assist. Gilmore sneaking that through to McGinn. And Patterson gets it! That will do from Nathan Patterson! It's a brilliant strike! It's liftoff for a playoff for Scotland! And frankly, it's so exciting now to have attacking talent from both fullbacks on either side. It makes us, it will make us an impossible team to defend against. But it's Billy Gilmore's award, and Andy, I fully expect you to create the the, the Trinity. Yeah, I'm not going to vote against Gilmore. He's my vote too. I, uh, I, I asked Ella what his favourite thing about Gilmore. I, I really, I, I do appreciate. He's a, a small boy, isn't he? I really appreciate the the heart that he's got in him. Um, in terms of his, his technical play that I saw, I saw a video actually recently going around of, of Thiago where, uh, of Liverpool, where the ball's coming towards him, quick look over his shoulder, and he just shifts his body weight to one side so the defender or the marker that's closing him down hit or shapes their body that way, and before you know it, Thiago's away the other way. I've seen Gilmore do that quite a lot, um, which is lovely to watch. And also, um, the competence and the confidence with which he does it to close his foot on the ball with a first-time pass and break the midfield lines um, and see things that other people would not see is, is just astounding, I think. The, so say, for example, the ball inside from O'Donnell on the right and before you know it, Gilmore... He already knows what he's going to do. He's closed his foot on it and the ball's heading past three Danish players down the right channel for John McGinn along the deck the entire way, you know, that sort of thing. And he makes, I think as well, he makes long balls forward not look like long balls forward with the precision and the technicality behind it. He's just an absolutely genius of a midfielder. I can't wait to see him continue for us. Absolutely have to commend Nathan Patterson as well. Was that a goal and three assists he's got for Scotland? I couldn't tell you how many caps he's got. Is it maybe seven, something like that? Um, I can tell you he's uh, six. Six, six right. Well, you got the assist for Dykes winner against Moldova at Hamden. Yep. He assisted Dykes winner in the Faroes. He assisted Adams in Moldova and he scored against Moldova. I mean, the impact this guy's having from right back is <laughs> is really quite wild. Uh, and I, much like Gilmore as well, I can't wait to see him uh, go on and I think he'll become a, an absolute mainstay for us. Uh, we've been crying out for a young attacking right back to come in and match what we've got on the left. Um, and Parsons absolutely done that without a shadow of a doubt. And I think he's pretty unfortunate uh, as far as this award ceremony goes anywhere that Billy Gilmore is in existence. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, congratulations, Billy. Uh, another another, uh, another award for your ever-increasing uh, mantelpiece. It must be heaving under the weight of all these Man of the Match awards he's picked up. So our penultimate award is going to be a really subjective one so I think we'll get some really good debate on this one it's moment of the year so you know we, we can completely open this out in terms of just how a moment how it made you feel how you interpreted it where you were at the time so some of the ones I'll throw into the pot um, mentioned before Cal McGregor's goal against Croatia I was in the fan zone at Glasgow Green just utter utter carnage you allowed yourself to dream for a moment there, you know, going into halftime 45 minutes away thinking one more goal and we're in the knockout stages for the first time ever. And that was 
unbelievable. I took a, a video and I posted it on, on Twitter from that. And it's one of those ones where every time I turned around, there was more carnage going on. Like people are <laughs> celebrating. You turn around, there's someone on a table. You turn around, there's someone with their shirt off. It just ever increasing levels of carnage. <laughs> um, look, the, the, the England game at Wembley, again, we've gone through this in detail. Just the whole, the pride of that performance that we put in was was amazing. The, the post-match scenes against Israel, probably the best Hamden experience and atmosphere I've ever had. I think that was my 53rd game, Scotland game that I'd been to that night. And yeah, I would say that was head and shoulders above every single one in terms of celebrations. Uh, but for me, my moment of the year, it actually comes from that game. And I'm going to say it's Lyndon Dykes' equaliser against Israel because there's so many aspects of this goal that I just absolutely adore. I love I love the fact that it was personal redemption for Dykes. You know, lesser strikers might have gone into their shell having missed a penalty, you know, and not not been confident enough to make that run, get that ball and finish it the way he did. The way he finishes the <laughs> finishes it with effectively a karate kick, mm-hmm. it just slammed into the back of the net. And then somehow even the the VAR check made it even more incredible because then all of a sudden it's been chalked off. It goes to VAR, they check the monitor. And then when he gives it, it's like the, the crowd got a chance to celebrate it again. So you got to enjoy that goal doubly so. Robertson, Dykes! Giving a high foot. I know he's giving a high foot. It's got to go to VAR. I'll go to VAR anyway, but my initial looking at it, I thought he should have gone for it with his head, Ian. Because it was a perfect delivery and he should have attacked it. An anxious wait for all around Hamden and all around the nation. He's given it. And I think as well, even sort of speaking more widely, for me, reflecting back on this World Cup campaign, it was that moment, from that moment onwards, I think the momentum on the pitch and in the stands, we were unstoppable. I think from then on, there was no doubt in my mind that we were going to go on and win that game. And from then, we just kept winning matches. And the tsunami of momentum was behind us. And that that's what makes it my moment of the year but Andy I will come to you and see what you would like to throw in I, I've tried to to isolate mine into smaller moments really so, so you said the England game like I wouldn't have classed that as like a moment um, mm. for me a moment is like a finite period of time yeah um, where it's like can it over in a flash sort of thing like like maybe, like, maybe like goal, the, for example like maybe, maybe more than like sort of the as, as I mentioned earlier, just that the feeling of the the weight of relief when the final whistle went against England, right, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. the draw yeah. that put us back in contention, that was a, an amazing moment for me. Well, I, I do have a moment from that game, which was the Stramash um, and the dying minutes that we managed to stave off when it, well, there was about six of our players throwing themselves on the ball. Uh, that was that was an excellent moment. Uh, I've also got the weight uh, do you know this actually probably nullifies it um, as a vote to be honest um, I feel like it was Austria away could be wrong um, 
what John McGinn down in the corner flag when he just skinned like three folk. Was it all straight away? <laughs> it was, yeah, that's yeah, what I'm that away. Yeah, but he did. He's, 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 he's running out. towards the box and then turns round yeah, and goes yeah. back to the corner. Yeah, flag. and then he, he punted it away, didn't he, when the final whistle went? Yeah, that's <laughs> he another skinned the same boy twice. Yeah, <laughs> he skinned him. He went past him into the box. He was like, ah, I'm just, I'm just going with you. Come back out, fall on the ball, punt it as hard as he can. Yeah, that was, that was perfect. That that was a that was a lesson from again that uh, that moment. Uh, I've also got VAR uh, Dykes against Israel. Uh, for the reasons that you listed, it, it was a really just a, a blistering finish. Um, but also the the VAR weight made it even better. Added a whole new dimension of suspense to it, which was uh, which was great. McGregor against Croatia I feel like we have to acknowledge that because we've said it already it would have been just pathetic if we qualified for the Euros and then didn't score a goal it would have in my opinion made the entire thing pointless you you go to these tournaments to experience moments of joy not to see your team struggle uh, their way through a group stage and we had a hard group as it was but to get knocked out without scoring a goal would have been just mind numbing really uh, mm-hmm. so McGregor inspiring with a bit of hope at that point uh, finally getting to see all of us I, I don't and I'm certainly not old enough I can't remember I, I don't think that you two can either remember Collins or Burley at 98 for example uh, can you actually no, remember can. that can you remember can you remember well uh, now that we are properly old enough I mean you learn to cherish and experience those moments properly not just kind of look back through it through like a nostalgic lens so I think that when McGregor scored that is something that Truly, I'll never forget for the rest of my life now. You know, that that was just a, a totally joyous moment. Also feel that we have to mention McTominay against Israel. Yeah. <laughs> like, really, really unfair to leave that out because that's what sparked the scenes at the end of the game when that went in. Uh, and it was, a, a, I, think, I don't know if it's made better, but the fact that it was just like a kind of shit goal. Just, <laughs> it, just, it, it, it just felt like we, we were going to score no matter what, no matter who or how or when. We were going to get one over the line, and that's how it happened. Uh, so, I think that we have to include that of the five that I've mentioned. Uh, depending on what kind of vibe of moment you're looking for, but I, I really quite enjoy them again. The Austria one, to be honest. There's an element of shit about that one. That <laughs> I just love. It's like I'm better than you. I'm going to take you for a ride, and then I'm going to punt it out, and we're going to celebrate because we've done you. And your home ground, you know, it was yeah. everything about that was was beautiful. But it, 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 depends, it depends if you're looking for euphoria for the moment of the year. I'm I'm or... looking for whatever you want, mate. Look, it, it's it's your decision. It's oh, totally up to you. It's, it's how it made you feel. Uh, <laughs> come back to me if we need a casting vote. Okay, I I will say though I will say I th- I think that that McGinn moment against Austria, that's a level of streetwiseness that we've often seen other teams do to us that you rarely see Scotland teams do in terms of seeing out a game properly and really just pissing off the opponents in the in, yeah. in doing so. So that is a beautiful moment to see. But look, Ben, which way which way is your is your wind blowing? I I don't want I almost don't want to bring this up, but just because you've said that, when you look at Armstrong against England at Wembley, okay, and you compare that to McGinn against Austria in, in, in the dying seconds. That's how far we've come. You know, that is how much smarter we are now and how much better we are at winning games and seeing out games. You know, that, that for me, 
it was just hilarious. The fact that he then falls on the ball and wins the foul as well. <laughs> and Everything about it was perfect. And I'm I'm pretty sure the boy they did it against was the boy that's on loan at Barcelona that they'd been talking up before the game. Mm. And it was like, you well, we've got John no, McGinn. No, no, you Oh, no, he's Danish. No, 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 he's the young, he's the young boy that's supposed to be the next, supposed to be the next big, the the next big thing. But we've Mm -hmm. got John McGinn, and he will just absolutely pull your pants down and then boot the ball into the uh, the crowd. So that's definitely up there. Another one, specific one that I remember from England really well is when I think I'm not sure if Jack Grealish came on as a sub. Did he come on as a sub? He did. Yeah, came on as a sub. And it was like, oh fuck, he's good. And he was up against O'Donnell, and it was like O'Donnell was getting tired. It was the end of the game, and O'Donnell hounded him all the way back up the wing. Grealish kept trying to come back inside him, couldn't. Oh, O'Donnell was still there, kept hounding him up, and then eventually, I think O'Donnell was just knackered, so he just totally dead legged him, just went through him, wowed <laughs> yeah, him. Yeah. <laughs> and for me, that was just such a brilliant moment for, and for the fact that it was O'Donnell that did it as well. Yeah. Against a hundred million pound man, it was like this might be Wembley, but you're playing Scotland, and we yeah. are having you. So that that for me is definitely up there. The Do other know, one on, I've written... on 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 that. Sorry, Ben. Can I, can I just? I'm, this this isn't my moment of the year, but it's just one I just remembered just now, and it's sort of on on that topic again from the game against from the game at Wembley. Lyndon Dykes giving away a free kick within the first five six seconds of the game. Uh-huh. Was it? Yeah. Remember, yeah. we took kick off. There's a ball into the England, England, <laughs> England half, and Lyndon Dykes just goes through someone, and mm-hmm. that was very much a scene setter of you know yeah. we're here to play and we're here. You know, if, if you're going to beat us, you're going to have to come through us, and yeah. that just so, set the agenda for the evening. You, so that was lovely. You could really, you could, very you much could split this. Uh, you, you could split this into like moment of the year and laugh of the year because some yeah. some of these some of these are too hard to ignore like and not give them any recognition whatsoever but the, the moments that like what we were saying earlier when we were discussing the goals right so um McGregor's against Croatia Dykes against Israel and McTominay against Israel none of them are going to win goal of the season but they all could win moment of the season right yeah and what we were saying there about Dykes thumping the one of the English players or O'Donnell snapping Jack Grealish or McGinn punting the ball away, they are all kind of worthy of their own sort of semi other awards, yeah, other category. <laughs> I think that, yeah. that's the shit housery award. That's yeah. like the, yeah. we've, we've the shit house award. <laughs> I'm happy yeah. to just make it up on the spot if you want. If we want to add yeah. another yeah, one, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think well, we look, so Ben, what 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 what's your moment of the year then? The the, the only other one that I've got. The only other one that I've got that was more 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 of a footballing actual <laughs> skill a skill based moment was when we turned into Brazil against Denmark. There was the we were we were Denmark had come right up. We were right in our box, and I was getting a little bit nervous, getting a little bit twitchy, and it was like three or four first touch passes. This this was what we were talking about. Every single player played well. It I haven't seen us ever almost ever do that. To, to play one touch passing out, Pat, like yeah. just perfect every time, making your way up the pitch. And then is it Christie fires just an yeah. unbelievable, unbelievable outside of the foot cross about 50 yards right into Robertson's pass. Yep. And Robertson's pass deflects a little bit, gets to Che. I think the shot deflects wide. But that little moment 
summed up mm. that whole game. And there was just something so spe- special about seeing Scotland do that to another team. We've seen it happen against us so many times, but for us to actually do it against a top team like that, and I, I've can't, I can't count how many times I've watched that back and just... <laughs> Like the fact it's like Brazil, it's genuinely, you know, everyone's like, oh, it's like watching Brazil. That was genuinely like, it was like Brazil, it was Spain. It was just total dominance or just keep passing it around. You must be so frustrating to play against. And then, yeah, the big long outside the boot pass, I was like, bloody hell, we're actually quite good at football now. So that's, that's definitely up there for me as well. It's like top moment. Does anyone think that McGregor's goal against Croatia would have been harder to ignore for a moment of the year if, Hamden was full. Almost definitely, Probably. yeah. Almost yeah. definitely, yeah. Because because the celebrations just would have been on another level. Yeah. And of course, as well, I think I think if that had then led on to us getting to the knockouts as well, you know, I mean, I think we are mm-hmm. we're obviously loving these moments against Israel, against Denmark, because they meant something. Yeah. You know? And I think that's what we've lacked in the last twenty years. We've had moments that only exist fleetingly because they never added up to anything. Yeah. And yeah. now finally we have moments that actually contributed to big success. So so what's your vote then? So my vote is still Dykes' equaliser against Israel. And I guess if you're going for the sort of shithouse moment, it's when McGinn fell on the ball against Austria and stuck his peachy little arse up in the air. And I, yeah, I, I'm totally way. with you on, on giving McGinn against Austria a shithouse award. I think it, a, a, great, a great call to honour O'Donnell's tackle against Grealish, Ben. That was... That was a good moment. That, that, that for me is the funniest because it was just, you know, uh, yeah, this, just this everything dram- about it. Brilliant. The match against England was a, a good moment as well. It was two minutes to go and all our defence were making sure they were on the ball. And I think we won a free kick yeah. from it in the end. But I'll, I'll go from McGinn's uh, last minute antics against uh, Austria as well for my shithouse moment. Uh, actual footballing moment of the year. Uh you, you might have twisted my arm a wee bit, Ben, with that recognition of the passing move against Denmark. Um, but the, the scenes that McTominay's goal caused were just unreal. McCoy's to be honest, commentary was brilliant as well because mm, I don't think yeah. he knew what had happened. He was like, what's, yeah. it, what's happened? What's it got? It's gone off his chest. Um, <laughs> like, I mean, I, to, to, to be fair, actually, I mean, McCoy's commentary all through the year has, has had yeah. several moments of the year. I mean, yeah. the way the, his commentary when we could have and probably should have scored a third against Denmark, you know, when like, again, it's McGinn wasting time, but just barreling down the wing <laughs> and then cutting back, playing a perfect crossover to Shea Adams, who then deftly heads it over to Armstrong. And you just hear McCoy in, in the background going, no, oh no! Because <laughs> you just can't believe what he's seeing. And then it was only a Simon Kier, unbelievable block that prevented it being 3-0. So yeah, McCoy deserves recognition. For what he's done, he's given to Scotland this year. He should Ali. get commentator of the year. Okay, commentator <laughs> of the year. Not not up for debate. It just is Ali McCoy. I think it has it has to be for the, the Israel game. Either Dykes or McTominay. Uh, I'm going to go with McTominay's goal. Uh, I think partly helped in what we were just saying about the hindsight of McGregor's goal not amounting to anything in the grand scheme of things. So. I'm going to vote for McTominay's goal against Israel as the moment of the year and what then came after that. Will it happen here for Scotland? It's John McGinn to float it in. Yes! This is big! This is huge! This is massive! 
is here. Absolutely tremendous. Absolutely magic. Yeah. Well, I think we'll just we'll just split the difference in a moment because there's too many too many good ones. But you know that's a it's a good problem to have mm-hmm. this year. So. We then move on to the, the final no, wait, award. No, wait, hold on, hold on. Did oh, Ben get his ben? footballing moment? Did you, did you vote moment? for Denmark? The, the passing move against Denmark? Was that your final vote? Yeah, yeah. I, I am going to stick with that. That's my that's my football moment. O'Donnell smashing Grealish, the shithouse moment. Nice. If you had, well, if you had to, if you had to pick from one of the moments from the Israel game, would you choose the VAR one or the, the McTominay one? Ah, oh, McTom. Last last minute winner wins. Hands down. You can't beat that. That's as good as football gets, especially in a big game. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Right. Look, there's one award left on the shelf, and it's the biggest one of them all. It's Player of the Year. Andy, I will defer to you to tell us who is your Player of the Year. I think this is quite a hard one, Player of the Season. Uh, Gilmore, we've touched on earlier. I thought about and then crossed off my list. Um, partly because I knew that he'd win the young player, but also I feel that there are probably more deserving players on it. Uh, Grant Hanley has to be recognised as one of the players of the season. Stephen O'Donnell, it is to float this one in, and Hanley is there! Grant Hanley scores! Scotland needing a big response, and that was it! Right there! 1-1! The redemption story is 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 really something to admire because um, I know that he he didn't really publicly announce or say that he was finished with Scotland, but I know that he wasn't really keen on coming to camps anymore. Probably around five years ago or so, because he felt that no matter what happens uh, and we lose, then I'm going to get I'm going to be the fall guy. Um, so knowing that is kind of quite sad, but knowing that Clark then had the uh, the human touch to kind of turn his frown upside down and make sure that he wanted to come back and then prove the sort of player that he had been showing Norwich fans down south then absolutely brilliant very admirable and he really gets stuck back into it straight away I mean when he was getting picked uh, the first three games of the campaign there were loads of messages in the WhatsApp groups that I'm in uh, Hanley FS uh, how the fuck's Hanley getting a game? All that sort of stuff. Very, very quickly changed those minds. Uh, and when he went off injured in the Euros game, it was Croatia, wasn't it? He got injured, yeah, yeah. went off. McKenna came on. And people were worried at that stage, thinking, Jesus, that's Hanley injured. What are we going to do now? And, I mean, the the turnaround from what the reaction would have been even six months prior to that, if he'd gone injured, uh, gone off injured, is, is quite crazy. Um, so Hanley has become a such a an important brick in the wall and I think we have to if he's not the winner of this we have to give him uh, extreme credit for the way that he's turned his Scotland fortunes around um, for me it's between two people uh, it's between John McGinn and Lyndon Dykes for me uh, I think McGinn is I don't think he's a heartbeat in the midfield um, because he's got the two fellas behind him that, that kind of carry on that role but he is the just the, the entire energy of it um, he's an absolute joy to have in a Scotland shirt he pops up at important moments I know he went a wee while without scoring a goal there for Scotland but the ones that he did score for us were were of vital importance um, I think the opposition hate playing against John McGinn he's a total pest um, 
he's he's valuable off the pitch. I think he's vice captain, isn't he, John McGinn? Um, to Andy yes. Robertson. Um, so yeah, I think he's just an, an absolutely massive player for us. Uh, Lyndon Dykes. It's very hard to look past him as well for the points that he secured us with his goals and the uh, the good run that we had there. Winners against Austria, Moldova, Pharaohs. He contributed to the the win against Israel with uh, the equaliser as well. Um, so it's very difficult uh, this one, and I'm going to wait and see how the conversation develops before I play my casting vote. But those are the four names that I, I noted down. Okay, Ben. What about you? Do you have any different names to bring in or do you want to build on anything that Andy said? I mean, I'm disappointed that John Suter isn't uh, in that mix, <laughs> to be honest. I'm surprised. I'm surprised that I'm was di- missing from your moment of the year, Ben. Surprised and disappointed. <laughs> I know. I know. I thought I better not go too hearts biased, but <laughs> Quick Gordon right as well. I think between Suter and Gordon, yeah, I think they're the, uh, the, the two obvious choices. John McGinn hoisting it high. Yes, it's John Suter, all the people. After all he's been through in the last few years, Scotland have given themselves a head start as they seek the home playoff. <laughs> no, um, I think John McGinn, he just embodies everything that's good about this Scotland team. And even down to the song, even even down to the oh. feeling that he's 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 every young person in Scotland that likes this team sings that song. Even my English supporting friends sing that song. I was at a stag do in England. Uh, I was the best man, and the groom to be was singing that song all night. You know, they just and you see with Aston Villa as well. Just he's infectious. Just. Because he's not only hardworking, but he has so much talent. It's like the perfect combination of he'll he'll work hard, he'll press, he'll do all the dirty work, but then he'll spray passes and his finishing is phenomenal. He's just, he is the creative spark that the team needs. And the amount of times that he's stepped up when we've needed him is just incredible. So I for me, it is him. I think he is player of the year. I think Dykes has been very, very important. We haven't had a striker that's really consistently scored when we've needed. Um, so for me, Dykes is very, very close. And I, I do love the redemption story with Hanley as well, because there's nothing better than seeing a player that's been written off come back. I remember Steve Fletcher did it a couple of times and it's just it's just brilliant. It, you just it must just be so great as a player to do that. Um, so, yeah, f- but for me, for me, McGinn, he is the secret source that we need. He's the he's the difference for me. He's taken us up to another level. Yeah, yeah. I think so. The names the names I've got written down. Um, I have Grant Hanley written down. Yep, redemption arc. I think it's brilliant. He's been so good at the back. Lyndon Dykes. Yep, scoring four four games in a row at just the perfect time for us to keep that momentum going and dig out results when we needed him to. One different name I will throw in that hasn't been mentioned so far is Andy Robertson. I think he's put in a real amount of captain's performances this year. I think he's gotten better and better. He's gone beyond 50 caps this year. Um, I think you see what it means to him to play for Scotland and to lead the Scotland side, and you see how the other players respect him. I think he's massively grown into that captain's role uh, this year. And I found out recently that he only needs, I think, 
16 more caps as Scotland captain to become the player with most caps as captain for Scotland ever in our history, which you would have to think he's only 27 years old. You see no reason why he's getting the armband taken off him unless he's not in the team for fitness reasons. I think he will do that, which will be just reward for what he's given to this country. But John McGinn has to be the winner. He just has to be. Um, I've gone into it in some detail. So we scored 17 goals in World Cup qualifying this year, and he had direct involvement in nine of them. He scored four, he had one assist, and he had three, what they call in the business, secondary assists, which I know riles people up that like to moan about things like XG. I think he deserves the credit for these things. You know, it's the pass before the pass, before the goal. So for example, McTominay's winner against Israel, it was McGinn's corner. It's flicked on by Hendry. It's McTominay's goal. But that doesn't happen without McGinn putting the ball in. So McGinn does deserve credit for that. So that's, you know, 53% of the goals that we scored in World Cup qualifying, McGinn was directly involved in. And I completely agree with what, what you're both saying. I think he's the kind of player that you have to just describe he's a real shit because you would hate to play against him. You would hate for him to be in the other team because it just feels like it feels like you can't beat him at times. You know, I mean, the the, the Denmark game was a perfect example of this at Hamden where the ball gets to him, he sticks his arse out and you just can't get the ball off him. So either you foul him or he beats you and he rolls you and he gets past you. And his running so good, his passing so good, tackling so good, crossfield passes, finishing goals, corners. He scored a bloody overhead kick. I mean, get you a man who can do it all. He's <laughs> John McGinn has to just be player of the year. Do, would you guys would you guys agree? Andy, I'll uh, come back to you. I've, you I've get I've got no qualms with with John McGinn, to be honest. Um I think we've I, I also I think yeah fair to appreciate Robertson as well. Um winner as far as winner goes, I think it was going to come down to Dykes or um, McGinn. And I think McGinn, for me, yes, the vote. Super. Ben, concur? Yeah, I think Robert does deserve credit for being captain at the Euros because there must have been a hell of a lot of pressure on him. Um, and I don't know if it did weigh on him a little bit. I know he had that miss against uh, the Czechs. But I think there was a hell of a lot of pressure on him to be the kind of poster boy and the sort of standard bearer. And I actually think he did deal with that admirably because there was so much pressure on him. I know that's not a surprise given what he's done with Liverpool, but still to have the whole nation on your shoulders, he did well. But for me, McGinn is just the next level. And I can't wait to see what his next move is because for me, he's better than Aston Villa. I think if you put him in a better team, he can do even more. So I'm really interested to see what his next team is. Yeah, absolutely. Well, congratulations, John McGinn. Hamden Roar Podcast Player of the Year for 2021. Um, he is going to be buzzing with that. I'm sure he will, <laughs> mate. I'm sure he will. This is, this is the one they all wanted to win. Um, but only one can, and it was McGinn. So there you go. But do you know what? I think, Ben, I think the, the point you made about the song, I think that is a big one as well. You know, I mean... Again, you, you you talk about moments of the year, and like I was, I got managed to get a video on my phone of uh, of John Suter's goal against Denmark, and the way that the whole crowd is singing the John McGinn song as he's taking that corner is just mm. perfection, yeah. perfection in a moment. But look, this has been this has been a lot of fun. I think you know, obviously, we've had a very very good year, and let's just hope we can continue this development. We've obviously got World Cup playoffs in March to look forward to, semi final against Ukraine at Hamden, and then we've got Nations League later in the year. So. So much to look forward to with this Scotland team. But first of all, we'll all have a very good Christmas and we hope everyone at home 
listening has a very good Christmas and a happy new year as well. Network.